For the Peterson Automotive Museum, this is Car Stories. My name is AJ, and I want to welcome everybody to our special SEMA episode where we tour the floors of the million square feet and talk to the vendors, innovators, designers, engineers, fabricators, and hot rod builders that make up the entire show. But before we get started, I want to ask everybody to please go onto iTunes, subscribe, rate, and give us a good review if you like the show and pass it along to a friend. Thank you for listening. We're standing here at the RPUI booth with Mitch, who just told me he is celebrating his 37th SEMA. Mitch, how has SEMA evolved over the years? Well, AJ, it, it's a very different show than it was in the beginning. I remember my first SEMA show in 1978. It took me a whopping two hours to walk the show, and I thought I was in paradise. I've been to 36 more SEMA shows since then, and I've never been to the same one twice. And how have you seen it evolve over the years, uh, especially with you with Restoration Parts Unlimited? How have you guys been involved with SEMA? Well, it's a lot more diverse than it, it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was just speed and performance. Now you have trucks, import cars, you have accessories, uh, you have restoration that has grown up as a, an industry within an industry. So we're, we're much more diverse and many, many more exhibitors. There's over 500 new exhibitors in this show this year, which is incredible. And tell me about you guys. Tell me about what you're doing for the restoration world. Well, we do two things. We, we will help you restore a classic car back to original, or in the case if you want to make it better than original, we can also do that as well, which we know as RestoMod. Uh, you guys have to be the only people in all of SEMA who want to restore back to original. This place is nothing but customization. Uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, Camaro we have in front of us. Well, this Camaro is a Resto Mod car. This Camaro is a 1968 uh, SS Camaro. It has an LS1 small block Chevy in it. Uh, it's all modern drivetrain, Hotchkiss suspension. Uh, the seats in it are out of a Gen 2 Camaro, but it's actually a Gen 1 car. So these, are, these seats do not exist. This is a completely custom interior made by PUI. The, uh, the door panels are also made by PUI. Uh, wheels came from American Racing, shifter from her shifter. Um, and um, uh, this car was built about uh, last year completely in-house in our shop. What is some of the hardest parts to get for a Camaro? Well, Camaro, Camaro is actually not that hard to get parts for. The more difficult vehicles are anything Mopar. We're also seeing a lot of Cadillac now coming online where people don't throw old Cadillacs away. Um, the, uh, the Corvette market is, is so big, it's almost a market unto itself. But our, our bread and butter is Camaro, Nova, and Chevelle. And you guys, if I need any part, anything, you guys have it. Anything for the interior, anything for the exterior. We generally don't do drivetrain, but in terms of interior and exterior, we've pretty much got you covered. We also now are moving into Mustang, and we're seeing a lot of interest in Fox-bodied Mustangs because there's a lot of cars out there. Uh, they're relatively inexpensive. You can make them cool, and you can make them go fast for not a lot of money. They really are. They're, they're slowly becoming the next it car or the it muscle car. Uh, you guys have a, a gorgeous Camaro here. I love the houndstooth interior. Uh, Mitch, what is, what is your favorite part about SEMA? My favorite part about SEMA is that even though all, all of us on the show floor are competitors, we're also friends. This is one big business family. So it's like a family reunion every year. Well, it's great talking to you, and we'll uh, continue on. Thank you, AJ. Nice to see you, and, uh, and uh, great to meet you. 
We're standing here in the Magnaflow booth, one of the most popular booths here at SEMA with Richard Reyes. Richard, what what is new here at SEMA? What do you guys have going on? Well, this year we've got a lot of things as usual. Uh, at the booth itself, of course, we got a brand new debut on Chip Foose's Pantera that'll be happening here shortly. Uh, hopefully everybody get a chance to come by and take a look at what he's got going on. Uh, it's been a personal project of his he's had in the background for a while. Uh, in addition to that, we've got some new unveilings for, uh, we've got an Arlen S bike that Zach built himself. Uh, it's a twin engine V-twin. Um, and if you're a Fast and Furious fan, we got the Furious 7 uh, off-road charger here. Uh, it's going to be one of the original three movie cars that was out, uh, is actually used in the film. Uh, on top of that, we've got our M4 from uh, Colab that we're uh, showing here with uh, Vorsteiner wide body kit. Uh, of course, all of these products uh, featuring our Magnaflow exhaust systems, where you're ranging from full custom one-off to stuff you can buy right off the shelf. Okay, I watched a video where you explained how a muffler is actually a good idea. You don't want to go straight exhaust, you know, straight cat back. You do need a muffler. It does help with performance and sound. Kind of explain that a little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things to look at. You know, when we were talking about uh, whether you can uh, maintain efficiencies, of course, a uh, muffler doesn't have to be viewed as a negative aspect. Uh, you can create a design, an exhaust system that can actually benefit from having a muffler as either an expansion chamber or just as a sound device. And in the cases of all-out race, you know, a muffler can't replace a straight pipe in the sense that you're going to add four times the mass uh, to a vehicle where you're trying to shave ounces off. But uh, on a street vehicle that has dual purpose use or a race vehicle that is uh, uh, constrained by some kind of a spec inside of it, you'll find that a muffler can be an option that is beneficial to performance as well as uh, increasing the ability of the communication between the driver, his team, or any kind of other radio communications that are out there, if nothing else, reducing the amount of stress of noise that's going on for the driver to endure. And tell me, you have been coming to SEMA for, I assume, many years now. What is your favorite part about the show? Well, um, this will be my 13th year with Magnaflow and 15th year overall, so it's been a long time in the running, and really the best part about this is seeing everything under one roof. I I can spend a year with every one of my clients that I deal with, uh, every every television show or media outlet's got the new thing out there, and still not see one-fifth, maybe not even one-fifth, uh, less than that, of the products that you'll find here. So, uh, yeah, this is the um, kid in a candy store effect. I mean, uh, everywhere you look, you'll find everything you could possibly want. Well, Richard, always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of SEMA. Enjoy the, uh, the whole experience. Uh, thank you very much. We're standing here at Ford out front in the Roush booth with Bodie Stroud. Bodie, what cars did you bring out uh, to SEMA? Uh, we have a 1970 GTO Judge that's in the Coker booth. We have a 63.5 Ford Fastback that's at the Magnaflow booth outside. And then we have a 67 Ford Mustang that is in the process of uh, being built and finished that's at the Roush booth displaying the motor and all the chassis and components and everything. Kind of like a raw type of a car, unfinished, which is unlike us. First time ever that we've never finished a car for it. But I'm kind of happy for the way it's being displayed right now so people can see, you know, the internals and stuff like that. Is part of you going, yeah, yeah, we purposely didn't want to finish it. Yeah, that, that that's what we wanted to do. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I had a hard time getting over uh not being able to have a finished car here but it was you know what it, it's displaying great it's getting a lot of attention as i'm looking at people staring at it right now and it's able to show off everything not only the roush motor uh but all of our suspension as well so 
And you've been coming to SEMA over the years. As a builder and a designer, what, what trends do you look forward to, and what are you noticing here at SEMA this year? Oh, man, I just got here. I just walked in. So, you know, just from first glance, I can see Ford has a heavy presence this year, huge presence. I see a ton of Mustangs, uh, new, old. Uh, I can see that uh, the there's just a ton of... Uh, creativity going into these cars you know and i can see that there's a lot of uh new and up-and-comer builders and people that are getting involved with sema and and just building cars which is pretty cool as well and you've been working on a project that is not at sema but is very near and dear to my heart it is a little davis devon uh tell me about the restoration you've been putting into the peterson automotive museum's davis uh, that has been a fun project uh let me tell you if you've never worked on an aluminum car uh, it, it has been a challenge. It, it's, we're really close to being finished. I'm hoping the body is painted. It's the only thing that needs being painted is the body. Uh, just because we had a hard, such a hard time with, uh, things cracking and recracking, and over the years of people doing body work and stuff and sanding it down, not only is it aluminum, but it was very thin. So we've had to reinforce it in certain areas and, and re-weld it and grind it down. And then when we bolt it back on the chassis to, to fit it again, all of a sudden there's another crack. So uh, it, it's been time-consuming, but it's coming along really nicely. The chassis all done. The motor's all done. So I'm hoping by uh, the 30th I'm going to be delivering it back to you guys. Is it hard being a customizer to restore a car back to stock and not put a little bit of your touch on it? Not at all. Not at all. A car is a car to me, and I love anything old like that, you know. And uh, I think people are used to us, you know, doing these crazy builds and stuff, but we, we also do factory restorations, and I like that. Like the GTO judge at Coker's booth, it is a complete factory restoration of this thing. It's even got, it's probably 80% of it is the original interior, which is amazing. Because if you get a chance to see it, it, is, it looks brand spanking new. So, Well, buddy, always a pleasure talking to you. We're going to keep walking and uh, check out SEMA. Cool. Have fun. We're standing here with automotive engineer Gail Banks. Gail, tell us what you brought out to SEMA. Quite a few things. We for one, brought out a system that replaces the boost gauge and, give, and gives you better information than a boost gauge. It tells you the actual air density of every cubic foot you inhale. So it's a density, a density gauge, but it can be used to evaluate your turbocharger, your supercharger, your intercooler uh, in a manner that has never happened before. When we correct uh, horsepower after running a dyno run in the engine dyno cell, we correct to a standard day's air density. But yet, we, there's no density gauge on the market. So I uh, patented it, and now we're releasing it here at SEMA. So it measures manifold air density or MAD. That's what's in the intake manifold, and the boost is what forces it into the ports around the valves and into the cylinders. This is absolutely uh, missing in our, in our jargon. Uh, people just don't talk about air density. I want to change that. Uh, also here in the booth, 
we have our um, 866T Duramax engine with its six-speed transmission uh, that we sell into military. It's not in military. It's kind of in mufti. It's not in uniform here. Uh, but we've got a contract we've been working on for the last 10 years to win powering the replacement for the Humvee in the military, in the U.S. military, and also worldwide. We won. So that means tens of thousands of engines that we'll be manufacturing in California. That's got to be a pretty good feeling to work on something for over a decade, and now it's Oshkosh, right, that uh, you are making the engines for. What is... What is something innovative that you did for those engines that made it really stand apart from all the other competition? You've asked, you've asked the question I cannot answer. It's a military secret? Well, let's just say non-disclosure agreements control my life. I bet. And uh, I also saw you have a, uh, I, I think it's a Cummings uh, Nissan truck you guys uh, worked on. How do you, a car that's so new and just on the market, how do you immediately start innovating it and making it perform? This is SEMA, Nissan, and Cummins. Uh, and I have friends in all three places. We had a measuring session in the SEMA garage. This is something that, this whole thing, SEMA's garage, uh, it's photo studio, it's emissions lab. All of this is for the SEMA members. And this was kind of an inaugural where a bunch of us, SEMA kind of chose who, uh, got the opportunity to design their products on a vehicle you cannot buy. Nissan brought the prototype truck or pre-production truck we did the cold air system. What's cool about this is we never had the vehicle at our location. We went there, digitized it with a digitizing arm, went back, designed the equipment to fit with, within that digital field, printed them in our printers, printed the object, objects, went back down and bolted the stuff on the truck. So we did the cold air intake or our bank's ram air. It's Hiroshima. Hopefully the hood's up so you can see it. Did you ever think in your lifetime you would be working on a Nissan? You know, Paul Newman raced them years ago, and that showed me so much about Nissan I didn't know, you know? Uh, those guys have got it on. Second thing is, it's a truck that was designed in California, this one, the American Titan, they call it designed in California with an engine from Columbus, Indiana, and assembled, I think, in Missouri. Uh, the American content in this truck is very high. In fact, it might rival Jeep, uh, which, which has a very high content. So what attracted me? Uh, I, know, I know they've got some great engineers there. I know they supported racing through the years. Newman's career was, uh, he won championships driving uh, for that brand. So 
I just feel good about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. Uh, this truck, while having a foreign uh, label, is about as American as it can get. So it, it was great fun. Well, Gail, always a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing whatever it is you do next because you're always innovating and you're always, frankly, just making stuff go faster. That's my life. Thank you. We're standing here in the Honda and Acura booth with Dave Merrick. Dave, you have a car that I am really excited about. You guys restored Ludacris's Acura legend. Tell me about that. Yes, we did. Well, Chris was at uh, Detroit Auto Show, and he brought up that somehow his, his beloved legend had been in a wreck and had been totaled by the insurance company. And so we thought, you know, he said there's nobody that could fix it. I mean, I'm sure he could have, but... I said, you know, I know people that could fix that. <laughs> you know, we've got the full weight of R&D behind us. And so, you know, I was just kind of kidding around with everybody. And the more we thought about it, the more we thought, this could be really cool. And, and let's make it into some event, including the ILX that, that he's going to give away. But then it became, you know, from our standpoint, we looked at it how we would build any of our mock-ups. You know, we went to all these shops that we, we deal with all the time. So he ended up getting a car that, had he taken it to, you know, his local repair shop, would be nothing like what we did because he got, like, the, the full R&D behind it. So we did, um, like, all these uh, junkyards and finding old legends and getting parts and restoring it back to its original condition with a few modifications that, that you'll see on the car. But, um, you know, we upped the wheel size and we did some lowering the stance a little bit. So when you see it, you know, everybody knows the legend. They see, oh, that's a, that's a cool legend. His is going to be next to a stock one, and people are going to go, how come yours looks better than mine? So it's, it's that kind of upgrade. But the thing, that the whole story about it, he was so in love with his car, and that's why we did it, because we want that kind of buyer, the people that love Acura and want to want to just live with it forever. And, he, you know, he put his car on an album cover. And I feel like the legend is a car that is getting better with age. As time goes on, especially that first generation, is just is sort of timeless design. It, it, do you, when you're working on a car like that and then working on the future of Acura, do you use any of that past for the future? Absolutely. I think that the, uh, the, the you said timeless, so you stole all my thunder. But it, it literally, something like that, you know, what, what is timeless about it? It's the proportion, it's the stance, it's the, you know, the size of the cabin to the size of the body, things like that. And, and so that's always in our mind of, of how to do the future cars. You know, things have changed since that car, you know, including regulations and, and you know, safety. And there's a lot of um, things that go into a car. I mean, a car is, is complicated now. So you have to work around that and, and really think about what's going to be timeless. What, what would you want to think 20 years from now for the cars we're doing currently? And, and you always have to think about it. But the legend, this legend, is a perfect example of... We could do it, and why don't we? And and I think that we always have that mentality. And what else here? You've been coming to SEMA for years. What what uh, strikes your fancy? What what interests you? What trends do you are you seeing that you enjoy? So I always see the trends. Uh, it, it seems like that a lot of muscle car, but also a lot of um, restorations of uh, things that you wouldn't imagine. You know, it used to be you'd go through and it's all 69 Camaros or something like that. And now there's, there's everything. It's, it, I, and, I, and I love that. You know, there's, there's maybe less hot rods 
and more uh, daily driver cars and, and things like that that I noticed. And, and I think that SEMA, you know, there is a much more manufacturing presence, including us. Um, and I think that says a lot that, you know, everybody's car people in the business, so we want to embrace that. And so that's why we're here. But I, I noticed that um, they, they've logically laid it out better now. Than, you know, all the tires are over there and all the, the paints here and then tools there. So it, it, it's, it's laid out better, but... I, I just, I love all of it. I, you know, I, I walk around just going, I, I could just live here. <laughs> it is a fun time. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. You too, man. We're standing here in the Toyota booth with Rutledge Wood. Rutledge, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm also excited that you are an import fan. You like the Japanese cars, don't you? Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm an old school Toyota guy. You know, it was. I always loved stuff that I could work on, and that was fun. And you could tell when when you were improving something performance-wise, and you knew immediately that was always something that was really fun for me. So, uh, it's cool being here. I I'm trying to convince Toyota next year to let me bring. I just bought a Japanese right-hand drive Toyota Century limo, uh, and I'm trying to get them to let me have it here in the booth next year. If you look around, you see. The reason why it's not here is because all of this stuff is super nice and brand new. Mine would be like three parking lots away in a, in a parking deck maybe. But, yeah, I love this stuff. It's, it's cool. I just got to come up, and a guy came up and was talking to me. He's got a uh, A86 Corolla, uh, and the Hachiroku is a car I'm a big fan of. And he was telling me, oh, I've got a, a 1UZ from a Lexus LS400 in there, and I'm thinking about going Chevy LS. I was like, no way, dude. Just have fun. Stick with that. Uh, it's it's a really cool thing to be a part of. Tons of car guys over here for sure. What what attracted you to the Century Limousine? Because that that's an odd purchase, but a, a very unique and cool one. Well, you know, the 25 year import rule is one of those things that that is changing in a really cool way. What cars we can have here, and I've only seen Centuries online because you know the newer ones have the what the V12 in there. And I thought, man, that would be an awesome car to own one day. But the, they started making that in 97. So when I started looking for one, found a place in California, was doing all the import stuff, and, and picked it up. My kids love it. My wife sort of likes it. So it's, it's pretty fun. It's got 19-inch work Euro lines on there. Like, whoever had this was a cool person. That's all I can tell you. And uh, what, what else are you guys working on? Would, do you have more episodes of Top Gear coming out? What, what projects are you working on? Yeah, we started shooting more Top Gear about three weeks ago. So we'll shoot uh, until the early part of next year. So I don't know when it will be out yet, but we're working hard on that. And uh, traveling, wrapping up the NASCAR season with NBC. And, uh, and hopefully we'll hear some good news on loss in transmission and get back to work on that once we're done with Top Gear. So just, man, I'm just out here having a ball. That's for sure. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Have a great one. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Standing here with Jacob Brown at Mazda, there's two very cool MX-5 concepts. Tell me a little bit about what we're looking at today. All right. Our designers over at the North American Design Center, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from our North American headquarters in Irvine, uh, took the new 2016 MX-5 Miata and, and created two very different interpretations of lightweight sports car of the Roadster concept, uh, almost throwback. One of them has no roof to it has no windshield to it, uh, is in a new color called Blue Ether. It's a complete concept color, and it's called the MX-5 Speedster, and it's based roughly around the idea of what James Dean would drive. Um, and then the other one is in a, it's called Mercury Silver, and it is a spider top, and it has a almost a fastback look to it 
with a, uh, a canvas top to it. Very bespoke Craftsman leather interior. It's a really nice car. Both of them look fantastic. Our designers spent about six months working on them and probably about a month putting them together. And they, honestly, this booth hasn't been slow the whole day. So I think they did a good job. They're absolutely incredible cars, and I would not be doing my automotive journalistic homework if I did not bring up the elephant in the room. Tell me about your rotary. What you guys debuted at the Tokyo Motor Show. Uh, it's a all-new concept, new engine, new everything. Tell me a little bit about it. All right. Well, I think we were kind of dancing around the subject last time we spoke over at the Japanese Classic Car Show. So now that the elephant is out of the room and officially tap dancing in Tokyo, um, it is called the RX Vision. It is powered by our Skyactiv R engine, which has been in development for the last 10 years. Uh, we have a team of uh, engineers, about 50 of them, over in Hiroshima, who have been tirelessly working on getting this technology technology developed for road application to be reliable, to be fuel efficient, to be able to meet all of the expectations a customer, customer would expect of a production engine. So I kind of always snicker when people said that they're, you know, Mazda's not doing anything with Rotary. Mazda has and will always be doing things with Rotary. It's part of the company's DNA. Lightweight performance cars, not necessarily thinking inside the box. That's what makes a Mazda a Mazda. Um, so will the car, will what we saw in Tokyo make it to production? I think we'd all love it to make it to production. But at this point, it's a design study. It's uh, a study of where the company is going from a design philosophy. And it's a proposal for what we could be doing from an engineering standpoint as well when the opportunity exists, when the technology is viable. What are some of the misconceptions and benefits of a rotary engine versus a, a regular motor? Well, everybody says that you're going to go through apex seals very regularly with a rotary engine just based on the nature of the engine. It naturally burns oil in the chamber with the gasoline. It, uh, it, it's not a two-cycle engine, but it, it runs somewhat similarly to that. And there's this, this uh, sense that, that the engine has to um, be babied, to be over over-cared for. What it is when uh, it, it just has to be driven, and the car and for Mazdas to be able to to have the longevity, the apex seals need to be lubricated, and therefore you need to drive the heck out of it. It's a performance car; it should be driven like a performance car. We do not make trailer queens at this company. And you're standing here in the Maz booth. Have you gotten a chance to look around? What uh, what at the SEMA show has interested you? I have not gotten to look around too much yet. Uh, I will say that one of the other OEMs ended up uh, creating a beer truck out of out of their minivan, which was pretty which was pretty neat. I'm not I can't partake of that uh, at this point, and uh, but I will say that for the people who can and for the people who do, they got a nice treat uh, treat from an IPA out of San Diego, and it was a great beer. All right, Jacob, you guys have some great concepts here. I'm going to go take a look at them. Always great talking to you. All right, you too. Take care, EJ.
Standing here with Sherry in the Nitto booth next to a very neat spinning tire, uh, the debut tire, you called it. Tell me a little bit about this. It is our, our newest tire we're introducing here at SEMA 2015, and it is replacing our original tire we've had for two decades called the NT555. This one, second generation, is called the NT555G2. And what's so special about it, it has our brand new compound to it, as well as updated technology. It's originally done for those old-fashioned muscle cars, so like the Mustangs, those type of cars. With this new compound, it'll actually get you off the line faster, keep you in the straightaways more straight, as well as stopping you and helping you with cornering. So we're really excited about it. We're launching it at the end of the fourth quarter with 19 sizes geared towards those older car muscle cars. And then in 2016, later, we'll introduce a lot more sizes as well. It might be a weird thing, but aesthetically, the, the tread, the design is nice. Is that ever a factor, the aesthetic of the tread pattern, um, or is it strictly for grip? Um, well, actually, it's an overall thing. So you hit all the points. It helps with the gripping and cornering and straightaways. It also, it looks sexy as well. But it is, that's why it's, a lot of people use it for those muscle cars and uh, road racing as well because of that. So it is a functional tire tread. Well, it, uh, you guys got a cool tire on your hands. Sherry, so great talking to you. We're excited. Thanks for coming. Standing here with one of my favorite interviews, John Hotchkiss of Hotchkiss Sports Suspension. John, last year you had two classic muscle cars in your booth. This year you were going modern. Are you doing more modern suspension now? Hey, we tricked you, AJ, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, no, we are definitely going not only more modern, but wait till you see what we have for the classic side as well. Over on the board, if you look far on, on to our right, you see uh, Galaxy suspension. And that was, we talked about the, the story we did uh, suspension we did for Jay Leno probably five years ago on his 66 Galaxy. That 7-liter Galaxy he built as a tribute to his father, and uh, we made the suspension for it because it didn't handle. He had a great big Roush motor in it and most beautiful car. We did the suspension, and, and uh, we're so lucky because he's been promoting it for so long. Now we have enough buyers that say they really want it, so we're just certainly filling the market. But thanks to Jay, we're going to get in the Galaxy side of the world. And I also notice you have a lot of European stuff. I don't think people usually associate Hotchkiss, Hotchkiss, sorry. You know, you think muscle cars, you think Galaxies, Fords, Mopars, but you're working on BMWs, Volkswagens. What, what else are you guys working on? Well, hold on. Let me, I'll tell you one more thing about the domestic side as well. We have a complete package for 64 to 70 Mustangs. So that's a complete bolt-on TVS suspension package. Turns a classic Mustang, 64 and a half to 70, into a car that handles as well or maybe even better than a brand-new Mustang. So all bolt-on products. But to answer your question about the European side, we've always been in the European world with sway bars, but now we have two, three, and four series the M-Car sway bar packages, fully adjustable sway bars for them. Because, hey, we know that those guys need um, upgrades on their suspension as well. We also have new Mazda MX-5 and more. Is it hard to develop stuff for new cars versus old? Because, you know, if you have an old Camaro and an old Mustang, it doesn't handle worth, you know, at all. So it's easy to improve it. But you, when you have something like a Corvette or, uh, you know, a Charger, it already is a well-handling car. How do you improve on that? Well, luckily, we can always improve because the manufacturers will never go the full distance uh, with their cars, and we can make adjustables. For, let's just take it, for example, sway bars. We make a high 
Tech adjustable sway bar with up to four holes of adjustment on it. So a manufacturer would put one hole, no non-adjustable, they'd say this is optimum for 50 to 50, 60 percentile driver. Well, we can improve even one of these new awesome hot rods like a C7 Corvette here or the Hellcat with adjustable bars, upgraded bars, so we can make a really great car even better. Uh, you've got some incredible stuff here. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, you, uh, what's your favorite part about SEMA? You know, I think we're all car enthusiasts. And just to walk around here and just see the magnitude, a million square feet of just car nirvana. I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen some project cars, some, some parts, some things that, that uh, have blown your mind today. And, and I think that's the way it all is. But really, bottom line is it's the home of just the very best performance parts and the automotive excitement. So week in Vegas, it's, it's incredible. Great talking to you, John. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for all you're doing at the Peterson. We're standing here in the 3M booth with Andy Boyd, who has some pretty cool-looking paint guns. I'm not 100% sure what it all does, but thankfully you're here to help me explain. Happy to be here, and uh, yeah, rather cool. We think they're cool anyways. Uh, really what we've tried to do is uh, take all the pain and the complication out of uh, paint application, pun intended. Uh, so we've got an all-in-one spray gun solution here that we've uh, just launched here at SEMA. Uh, basically, it gets you a spray gun that requires no maintenance whatsoever, a real light composite body, and then just replaceable atomizing heads as well as uh, that work along with our paint preparation system, which is a disposable cup system. So uh, essentially, if you're, uh, if you're in the garage, you're at home, you don't have the, 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 the time or the, or the desire to use uh, uh, solvents to, to clean, uh, it's an all-in-one disposable system. It allows you a brand new system every time you put a new tip on. So from, from primer to clear coat, we're giving you an all-in-one kit, and uh, that's what's new at, at SEMA this year for us. And 3M is so much more than just paint. I'm looking around. You guys are wrapping vehicles. Uh, you, you have so many parts and uh, prep and body work going on. How has that changed over the years? How has 3M become more involved with SEMA? That's a great question. Uh, Actually, we just this year, uh, we, we, we rebranded, um, and that just means uh, we're trying to t better tell our story. We've been innovating for over 110 years, but we're not very good at telling our story. And so to answer your question, you know, really what we're trying to do is, is, is bring our science to life. And, and yeah, we've, we're wrapping cars, the, the, the wraps. I'm even amazed. I show up to SEMA, and I'm learning about the window, window tint films. We've got films that, that are UV resistant, that, that actually take, they take heat in and, 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 and absorb it, and then send it right back out so your car on the inside you, your window tint you still get the look but you don't get the heat inside the car uh the, the vehicle wraps that we've got going on uh, some amazing wraps we do in demonstrations so uh, twice a day and uh, it's amazing the evolution of the products is basically just understanding that that there's a need in the marketplace and a pain point and we're always about trying to solve those so always something new you got to be loving the wraps because whereas when you, somebody would afford and do all the work to paint their car once, that was it. They were done. Now you got guys who are, every week are changing their mind of what color they want their car with the wraps. It, it has to just have driven your business insane lately. Yeah, the, ra the, wraps, the wraps get more and more appealing, it seems like, every year. And every year it gets bigger here at SEMA because... Uh, we've always got a, a crowd around the booth. Last year we just were wrapping two cars. Now we've got four cars in the booth, and I think that's exactly it. I think the ability to, to change a color or, or, or do something completely unique uh, with a film, it doesn't require all of, the, all of the time and the labor that goes into to, to a custom paint job. 
and be able to do it on a film that, uh, to the naked eye, uh, you and I would never be able to tell that it was uh, not painted. Um, and, and so some of the wrapping products obviously are, are designed. We know that people are going to drive these cars. They're, they're not designed just for show, but they're really designed for street use as well. So, so it's a, another one of the films that we have within this company that's just absolutely amazing. You know, film technology going into your iPhone and film technology wrapping your car and giving you that, that customization that, that uh, especially our generation, younger generations, are really looking for. So, yeah, it's, it's been a a very, very good business for us, and we continue to improve the product based on what customers are looking for, and we're always showing off the latest and greatest. So, I'm going to go watch some of this wrap being done, see if I can learn some techniques. Andrew, it was always great talking to you. Have a good one. We're standing here at Ford Out Front with Josh Daly. Uh, Josh, he has informed me you have 29 cars that you've wrapped here. 20 cars. 22 cars that you have wrapped here for SEMA. Uh, to me, I feel like Three years ago, I've never seen a single wrap on a car, and now I feel like every ninth car I see is completely wrapped. How, is, how has the wrap game changed and the phenomenon exploded over the years? Wow. Uh, I think it has blown up beyond anybody's imagination, to be honest. Um, even when wraps came out 15 years ago, I knew it would come to something like this, but never what it has. With the chrome wraps, the printing on chrome, the multiple layers of vinyl people are doing, the... Um, the styles of vinyl that are created right now, I think, are just nothing we've ever seen before. And some things that you really can't even duplicate when it comes to paint. I love paint. I'm a paint-friendly guy. But with wraps right now, there's just things that aren't being done with paint. And uh, I, I love, love doing wraps. I love what we do. And I'm more than proud to present every car that we have here at SEMA, for sure. And it used to be with paint, you got your car painted once, you had picked out a good color, and that was sort of it. Do you have customers that, you know, each week, each month, they're changing their minds? Um, I wouldn't say each week or each month, but definitely within every year. We, uh, like Jay here with his truck, we have, uh, he had a wrap on it last year, and this year we wanted to completely change the theme and come up with something new, something different, something that nobody's really done before. So we just stripped the wrap right off of his, uh, truck. The paint was 100% perfectly fine when we peeled, uh, peeled the old wrap off. And now we've thrown on a multiple layer wrap with digital print vinyl, uh, chrome red graphics with printed clear on top to give the chrome some definition and some lining and just things that you really can't do other than uh, what we have done with with the materials and with the complexity of this can the price get up to the point of a paint job uh, absolutely i think the prices can really get up there but it depends on what you're looking for and how into it or how crazy you want to get I think the standard price of a general vehicle wrap is about the same as a paint job. You're going to pay two, $3,000 for a very nice uh, vehicle wrap, single color change, maybe some simple graphics, around $3,000. But we have wraps going anywhere for ten dollars to $15,000 right now. I believe the wrap on my truck is personally worth about fifteen grand. That, that's so impressive, and it's so neat because you're, you're literally, you're just, it's art. You're creating art. Um, are there hard cars and easy cars to wrap? Do you, you know, when a guy brings in uh, an M3 versus maybe a 911 versus an Aventador, what are some of the easier or harder cars to wrap? Most definitely. Um, every car is generally different. Square flat panel cars are always going to be the easiest. Trucks are going to be easier. But when you get into things like uh, Porsches, who have very round, wide fenders, maybe some big, bolty, round uh, front bumpers and rear bumpers, they can get a little bit trickier. 
when you get into doing body kits. I think body kits are really where you can show off your skills. Um, you have to hide your seams properly. You have to hide your cuts properly to get the effect that it looks like it's painted. So that is where I believe the art comes into it. Not just in the graphics you produce, uh, the, the style that you put it on, but how clean you can get your wrap. What do you do to maintain the quality and hide some of the things that you can't necessarily wrap like you could with something with paint but you get to do the best you can well josh i look forward to seeing the other projects and cars you have out here it was great talking to you thank you very much i appreciate it standing here with our buddy lightning from the world famous k-rock we talked to you last year you debuted your truck here at sema i am standing in front of i never would have thought is the same truck it's completely different uh tell us what you've done to to change this truck wow quite a bit we changed the wheels, the tires, uh, we built a new roof rack, uh, we put these, uh, the new Power Step XLs on here, uh, quite a few enhancements. Uh, so we went from 20 inch wheels to 24 inch wheels, and we went from a polished look to a brushed aluminum look. And you know, you saw it with the 20s, it looked like a, a regular truck with 20 inch wheels you see quite often. These are dramatically different. Lower profile tires, these Toyo MTs. Um, Still just as aggressive, but less sidewall and much larger. Um, the, the roof rack, all boxed aluminum. So this started as sheet aluminum, uh, 14 gauge, and it is super stout and way over the top. And that is holding all of our lights. And we had three 200-pound dudes at the very nose uh, on this side over the drivers and pa the driver passenger doors, and it moved only about an eighth of an inch. So it's stout. What, um... I remember last year you were having issues up until, I think, the morning of driving out here. Was this an easier Semia build this year around? Not at all. What, <laughs> what, what made it so difficult? No, not at all. I, so we were building this rack. We were determined to get this rack done. Last year, they were the stainless steel bumpers. So as you recall, I wanted to have a rack and bumpers and the whole thing. We were only able to finish the bumpers in time for last year's SEMA. This time, it was the roof rack. I was determined to get this thing done. And this is not just a tubular roof rack that, uh, that you're, uh, a painter would use to put his ladders on. This is an over-the-top, solid aluminum uh, roof rack that started just as panels of raw sheet, you know, <laughs> 10 by, 10 by uh, 4 sheets. And it took us three and a half weeks to get it done. And we worked around the clock to get this thing done. It was, it was nuts. And, and so when we showed up here, drove out, um, I didn't have the center caps on my wheels to match, so we had to paint these. I, this gentleman who's parked in front of me is a painter. He's a, beautiful, a wonderful painter and, and, and offered to help me paint my center caps for my wheels so they would match the rest of the truck. So literally still working on the car as you arrive to SEMA. I see the giant... The sidewalk out here has some of my remnant paint on it from where I laid down the center cap. So my apologies to the city of uh, Las Vegas. I, I left some oval shapes in your sidewalk. With these 24-inch wheels with this lift kit, as clean and nice as this is, is this thing ever even going to hit the dirt? It will. Yeah, we're taking it to Glamis. We're going to shoot it. Uh, we're going to take it to Johnson Wells. We're going to hit Glamis. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to take it off any big jumps. It's way too big for that. The suspension's not really made for that. It's, it's largely for show. But, yeah, I'm going to take it off-road. I don't want to break it, but, you know, if something breaks, uh, everyone who helped me build it will probably help me fix it. All right. Well, I'm glad you enjoy it, and uh, congratulations on uh, the Rock Rig 2.0. Yes, it's fun. Standing here with Jason Engel uh, with the Classic Recreations and a very cool custom Camaro you built. Tell me a little bit about the CR1. 
The CR1 is the first Camaro we've ever built. Um, we do production-style Mustangs, vintage Mustang cars. This car here we unleashed this year at SEMA. Um, brand new body, LS7, coilover suspension. It's a mean machine. Now, and I think that's kind of cool because so instead of coming to you, coming to a builder, it's going to take two years, some ideas, you're over budget. You guys kind of just offer a turnkey package of here's the car and take it, drive it, and go home, right? Absolutely. Uh, all our cars are production-based cars. So you look through our specs, check the boxes, pick your color, and we'll have it to your door in 12 months. And what would uh, what does this cost? And are there options? And what can you you know where does it start? Where does it go? Basically, right now the starting price is one forty nine. That's turnkey. It's delivered. Comes standard with an LS three, Chris Alston's chassis work suspension, six piston brakes, Sparco seats, and any custom color you choose. You can upgrade from there. You can get an LS seven. That's another seven thousand dollars upgrade. You can get a four way adjustable coilover. That's four thousand. There's all kinds of great options you can check. But our base car starts at one forty nine. Do you have an idea in the future? You've done the Camaro. You've done the Mustangs. Is there another turnkey project in the works? I will say there will be a CR off road next year at SEMA. All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Great talking to you. Thank you. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our very special SEMA episode for the Peterson Automotive Museum and Car Stories. Once again, please go on to iTunes, rate and review Car Stories, and stay tuned for next week where we'll sit down with the Ring Brothers inside the 3M booth from SEMA. 